Are you an online coach, a service provider, or maybe you refer to yourself as an expert and you're looking to better understand your customers, increase your sales, and build relationships? If so, if that sounds like you, then this episode is absolutely for you. In this episode, I'll be discussing the psychology of online buyers and how understanding their motivations can help inform your business decisions. I'll be diving into how I help my clients create detailed, effective buyer personas, what the decision-making process really is when consumers consider your offers and strategies, and also how you can increase your conversions. So join me today as I help you crack the code on consumer psychology. Well, hello there, fellow entrepreneur. I am Dorothy, a 22-year sales veteran and corporate SKP turned into a sales confidence coach for online women entrepreneurs who want to be wildly confident in their sales and business so that they attract dream clients to their four-figure offers. On this podcast, you can expect an honest exploration of how to make better sales as a coach, course creator, or service provider. I'll help you create ideal clients and make irresistible offers you love to sell. Making sales in your business should feel great, not scary. And as a woman, you have the power of the feminine sales advantage to create ideal clients with ease. I swear sales isn't a dirty word and I'll help you fall in love with it. Are you ready to transform your business and your life? Then let's begin. So first off, I am a sucker for a good definition. And I think we need to establish a base of what exactly consumer psychology means. So consumer psychology explores the way people think, feel, and act when it comes to making purchasing decisions. It examines how people perceive products, brands, and services, as well as how emotions influence our decisions. This in-depth analysis helps online business owners and coaches understand their customers better and create the marketing strategies that are more effective to help convert buyers. In an ethical way, of course. Online entrepreneurs need to understand the importance of consumer psychology in order to successfully sell their services. I can guarantee you that you get better at this, you get better at selling. You have to know how to create buyer personas the right way though, in order to better target your potential customers. You also need to deeply understand how emotions influence consumer decision-making because that is the big kicker. By applying these insights, entrepreneurs can develop strategies for increasing conversions and it'll help you create persuasive marketing campaigns that actually resonate and connect with your ideal clients. So the first step to doing this is to dig into your existing buyer persona and to ensure it's developed correctly. So we're going to talk about how to create effective buyer personas so that you better target your potential customers. So if you haven't created a list of ideal customer traits and desires, then you definitely should start thinking about it and developing your own. So you may have just heard of it and think it's just like one of those nice things to have in your business, but it can really make a difference in the way we market and also who we attract 
because who you market to and who ends up buying from you is who you are attracting. And that's important in your experience as a business owner, especially if you're working in group environments in that sort of dynamic or one-to-one. You want to make sure you've got the right people in your groups. You want to make sure you've got the right person that you want to get excited about and show up to work with every day. So this is also, I don't want you to forget, buyer personas are an ongoing process. Don't create your buyer persona or avatar and just think you'll never need to revisit it again. The secret of big brands that maybe you don't realize is that they consistently update and modify their buyer personas because just like you, your ideal client personality is going to evolve. So the effects of things like trends, global events, and the media will all have a market effect on the persona that you've created as well. So I want you to consider that many people had no idea what Zoom was before the global pandemic really hit hard in 2020. Now that simple online video conferencing service has become a business game changer that allows people to not only meet and interact online, but they've added so many enhancements to Zoom to make meeting virtually more effective, like whiteboards and polls. That's going to help make working together and meeting together virtually a lot more fun and a lot more engaging. So that means a client who may have found meeting virtually with an online coach a bit of a weird concept, they're not going to find it so odd anymore because they've been doing things like meeting virtually with their doctors, meeting virtually for their work environment, that sort of thing. You're going to be able to change your messaging and your marketing to reflect that. So if you want to make a shift in your messaging where before you might have had to explain in your sales page or in your documents or in your emails how you were conducting your business online and what kind of service they would be working with, now you could just skip all that and just refer to using Zoom, the online software, and most people would understand that they have that. It's already pre-installed on their home computers, their laptops, their tablets. They know what kind of experience they're going to have and they're not going to be uncomfortable conducting business with you that way. So your messaging should definitely be laser focused on the persona. And it shouldn't just be based on what I call generic demographics, which is what a lot of my clients come to me with. They know the age, the gender, the job, the income, the geographic location that they're targeting. But to create a truly powerful buyer persona, you want to think about your perfect client's values, their interests, and their goals. You really want to get to know this person and you want to map them out such that they're a real person that they could viably be someone that you would know. So you want to think of that person as a real person with real challenges and real emotions. And for many of my clients, for an example for you, family plays a huge role in their lives. While I don't directly help them with their family life, I know that they don't want to miss out on opportunities to show up for their kids or be able to be present with them at dinner versus always like being tied to their devices or always feeling guilty that they need to be working or be productive. So part of my very own messaging speaks to my clients about saving time, getting things off their plates, having their systems in place so that they don't have to work or worry 24-7 because they need to be able to check out of work. A lot of us as entrepreneurs don't have that ability or lose that when we move from a day job to entrepreneurship. And for a while, it's okay. But after a while, it becomes burnout city. 
So by using a well-crafted persona, I can immediately determine if a recommendation I'm making or a message I'm putting out in in an email or a social media post, if that will be important to my ideal persona or if it will fall on deaf ears because they won't care about it. And I do this, I will create content sometimes and I'll just look at it through the eyes of my ideal persona and think, yeah, you know what? She doesn't care about that. And so then I will move on and make a different piece of content. It's like a filter that helps you create effective marketing tools. So that's the effectiveness of having a really dialed in ideal client persona. And I help my clients go from like the personas they thought were great and they thought they had. I take them through a secondary questionnaire in my process with them that really dials into that persona. And then I don't do my own independent research into that particular persona so that we make sure we're nailing it. It's not a biased perspective. It's coming 360, full, well-rounded understanding of the actual client they want to buy from them so that they end up being able to speak their language. So you'll know that these people are going to resonate with what your content is saying or not. And that makes all the difference in your ability to market effectively. You can tell stories that are going to help them see you as the solution provider they absolutely need. And they're going to be much more memorable and meaningful to them when you're speaking in their language, which leads to understanding how emotions can influence consumer decision-making. That's one of the best ways to know your customers and to help them make decisions is to understand how they're being influenced by their very own emotions. And consumers often make decisions based on emotional triggers, such as the desire to feel important or part of a group. For example, people are often drawn to luxury items or exclusive membership offers because they like the sense of prestige that it gives to them. Think of your iPhone versus any other phone. This is an example I give a lot, but most phones nowadays, they all have very similar functions. But the image of an Apple on the back of your device or of your laptop, like that's a point of pride for some people. While some other people who love Android platforms will happily showcase their alternative choice. So a Google Pixel may be the thing that they're like, yeah, this is better than an Apple phone. And if that's the case, you need to know that about your buyer persona. You need to understand what they value and what's important to them. So when purchasing a service or a product, people are guided by their emotion rather than logic. And a lot of people try to sell on logic and it doesn't work. So you've got to be aware that your customers' emotional needs are first and foremost, what they're going to use to make that split second decision, whether they're conscious of it or not. And you need to look for ways to build trust with them in order to help you make the sale. Now, there's generally four types of buyer personalities. I did a completely different episode about this, but each of us is usually a blend of like a dominant one with some of the other features of the other types. And you're going to find people generally, if you look at it, just from the top 30,000 foot level, you'll either have buyers that are assertive, they're friendly, amiable, that sort of thing. They're expressive or they're analytic. And those are kind of the core four that you're looking at. But usually one of them will be dominant. And I always say like the assertive buyer is the one who clicks on the buy now button at the top and waits until the timer expires, right? Whereas the amiable and expressive ones, they're going to need more visual representation, more story, more 
details about the experience and the transformation. And the analytical buyer is going to be looking for the details of exactly what they get and why that's going to make a difference for them. So all of those different buyer personalities will value different things. And emotionally, they're going to respond to your offers in unique ways. So we're all affected by the many, many, many psychological triggers that help us to know what we want to invest in in a service or offer or what doesn't interest us. But our buyer personality usually is the one that has the final say on how it influences us and our actual decision-making process. For example, fear is a powerful emotional motivator that can be leveraged in your online sales. However, by assessing your values and morals and those of your buyer persona, as well as the type of buyer you want to attract, you'll know if you want to use a psychological trigger like fear or maybe choose not to. People are more likely to take action if they feel they will miss out on an opportunity or suffer consequences if they don't act fast enough. By recognizing this emotional trigger and deciding if you want to leverage it or not, and how you might do that, you can create some powerful marketing campaigns that encourage customers to buy your product or service before it's too late. So when we talk about all this, what are the strategies we can use to increase conversions? The types of strategies that you can use to increase your conversions are many, just like there are many psychological triggers. There's a lot to this stuff. But when you have a well-crafted, ideal buyer persona, using the right strategies starts to become a lot easier for you. While some of your buyers may have plenty of time to show up online daily for a five-day challenge, let's say, others may not. So you want to be thinking about if your buyer persona was someone looking to leave, say, their day job. And if you're hosting an online challenge that occurs midday in their time zone while they're at work, odds are they won't be able to attend even if they wanted to. However, if you were to shift that to the evening or early morning, many more people that are in your ideal buyer persona could likely make the time to attend that event. So maybe your ideal buyer isn't interested in free challenges or they're more likely to commit to a workshop where they want to achieve a result and then they really get something that they desire deeply, but they also get to know you in a paid environment and they get access to you. Maybe that would help them more than a free challenge. A lot of the time I find that people are done with the free challenge sort of thing and it doesn't work for them and they just rather pay to get a result. So that's where workshops could fit really well for your particular persona. I often ask my own clients if their buyers are the sort of people that are interested in free resources or if they're just eager to get their problems solved. And sometimes when it's micro commitments like workshops and smaller ticket items, their buyers are actually more motivated to attend those sorts of things than they are to just give their name and email when they know they're just going to be added to another list. They have to see a lot of value in that opt-in or lead magnet and some of them just won't. I love opt-ins. I love good lead magnets. I help people make them all the time and they definitely work to grow your list. And I still 100% believe that there is money in your list and there are sales in your list and there are ideal buyers in your list. But you may find that the type and style of your opt-in needs some tweaking to ensure it resonates with someone who will eventually be your buyer. So what's starting to work in persuasive marketing that resonates with your customers? This brings us to what actually works. 
How do you figure out what is going to hit home and what is going to flop so that you can make more strides in the right direction with your marketing rather than doing the proverbial throwing spaghetti at the wall? This has to be one of the biggest gaps that I find when I'm working with my clients. They return time and time again to spaghetti marketing because of the constant pressure to create content and show up online. They revert back to what is easy, what is fast, and what they think will work because it's just what they see everyone else doing. What I want you to understand is that instead of talking to a vacuum, the best way to figure out what is actually going to work is to talk to real live people. It's amazing what people will share with you when they have a real problem. Everybody wants to talk about their problems, but they only want to talk with someone that they can trust. And very often they don't want to do it in a public forum where it can potentially be embarrassing. So if you're asking them to comment on your Facebook posts, if you're asking them to engage with you in an Instagram post, some people just won't say, hey, I'm going to put my hand up and admit I have a problem. The number one way to figure out what's going to resonate with them and what's going to really speak to your people in a deep one-on-one way is to get with them in a one-on-one way and listen really deeply. As often as you can, once you've defined who you believe your ideal persona is for your offer, get talking to people in your inbox, in your messages, in your DMs, I like to say, in networking events, and keep being curious. More people will tell you exactly what they want than you would even be able to imagine. And ask them what they don't like about your market or how people are doing what they're doing right now. It's always great to hear their objections, their concerns, their points of contention. One of the great things about what I do is people all the time say they hate being sold to, they hate marketing, they hate feeling manipulated. Those are the sorts of things that I like to help people get away from in their marketing because I don't want you to market to people in a way that feels manipulative. So you'll want to know what you should be doing differently and what the gaps are in the market that you serve. You can do your own market research by looking for people who do what you do and seeing what they offer. You need to see what your unique angle is and then try out that messaging in these conversations that you're having one-to-one. And you'll quickly hear people say, oh my gosh, what a great idea or, huh, I never thought about it that way. That's going to be content and messaging and emails and things like that, that land. So for instance, I'll give you a really good example. I'm a fan of launching and I have a system to do it. And I think that it makes it easier on people. But I recently had my client tell me in our sales conversation that his last launch felt like he was quote, swimming for his life. And he never wanted to do that again. Swimming for your life, that doesn't sound pleasant. And while launching your offer can be a huge way to increase your revenues, many people don't do it because they don't know where to start. And they certainly do not want to experience the feeling of swimming for their life. This type of response can be used now in everything from my sales page for why it's a great idea to get help with launching, to how launching might be making you feel when you do it alone, all the way to social media content where I share a funny but relatable gif about launching, giving people the feeling of swimming for their life where it shouldn't feel like that. It can also be a great email story about how my client went from feeling like launching was a painful experience to a mostly stress-free one. Make a note 
of the things that come up in your conversations as patterns for people, struggles, habits, and beliefs that are consistent, that you keep hearing over and over again. Once you have those, you have key areas that you'll be able to say, this needs a solution. This needs a belief shift. This needs better messaging. And then you'll also be able to fold in stories from yourself about that. You'll find yourself entering the conversations inside your own clients' heads, and that is the sweet spot of persuasive marketing because they will finally believe you not only understand them, but that you deeply get them on a level that they haven't heard other people communicate on, and you can help them achieve what they want. The best part of all this is you actually will. You can stand in integrity with your marketing, realizing you've done the research, you've created the right solutions, and you're making offers that you know your clients are going to want. That leads to the next question. What you should be avoiding in your marketing? You should be asking yourself, hey, you know, I understand what works, what doesn't work, but what should I avoid in my marketing that turns customers away? What's the things they hate, the things they don't like? And my number one suggestion for this is to stop focusing on yourself. Whenever I'm struggling with creation or ideas or anything about what I want to sell or anything, I'm always like, oh, I'm thinking about me. I need to focus instead on my clients. And I want you to do the same thing. Stories about yourself and your success with clients should still be focused on, but they need to be focused on the results your potential clients achieve with your support. Many of my clients will spend a lot of time creating emails and content that just doesn't have an intention or a purpose in their marketing. When you're merely just like taking a moment to think about your ideal client persona and asking yourself if they would appreciate what you're about to share or if they'd gain valuable insights from it, that's going to completely shift your marketing. Instead of focusing on the things they will get from what you're offering, talk to them about what results they will see and what transformation and opportunities will arise from those results. Doing that correctly makes all the difference. And if you've done your market research effectively, you're going to be well positioned to use their language, their desires, and help them see you've modeled an offer with exactly them in mind. Marketing your stuff makes you generic and a commodity. For me, anyone can write a sales page and a funnel. But the unique part of what I bring to the table is I've got 25 years of sales and marketing experience. So I can talk about how I nail messaging, how I know how to attract different people across different markets. No one can be uniquely you and bring what you do to the table. So be sure you've figured out your own unique brilliance zone and how your ideal client will benefit from your expertise. And if you find that figuring that out is tough, then don't be shy. There's a link in the show notes to book a 30-minute sales accelerator call with me, and we'll spend that 30 minutes dedicated to helping you understand where your marketing, your messaging, or your sales might be enhanced so that you can enjoy the experience of more ideal clients in your business. Lastly, I just want to say I'm proud of you. If you've listened this far, you're the sort of person who cares deeply about your clients and their success with you. You know it's important to understand the psychology behind why people are making decisions to buy. But you have also now discovered how to look at your ideal client from an ethical marketing perspective and use your buyer persona to help you make decisions about what you're sharing. You understand how their emotions affect their desire to buy. And while I know many people like to play on fear, I believe that you may now realize empowering and motivating your clients in a positive way might just be for you. 
no more fear-mongering sales tactics are required. I've given you some ways to think about strategies and helps you understand how persuasion works for creating ideal buyers in an ethical way. And I definitely hope you loved listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed creating it. If you did enjoy the episode, it would mean the world to me if you'd leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can help people not only make more sales, but market more effectively in an ethical way that feels good. Until next week, may you be blessed with ideal clients who love what you sell. Hey there, my marketing and sales mavens. I want to personally thank you for listening to the Wildly Confident Sales Podcast. If you love this episode, feel free to share it with your friends and followers by tagging me on Instagram. You'll find me at Dorothy Villeneuve Coaching. I'd love for them to benefit from the value that was delivered today. If you enjoyed the podcast or you have a topic you'd love to hear covered, make sure to let me know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts so that I can keep bringing helpful sales and business perspectives to you to ensure you grow your income and create ideal clients for your dream business. I am so grateful that I can be part of this with you and I cannot wait to see you in the next episode. In the meantime, keep taking action and don't be afraid to unleash your feminine sales advantage to help you conquer the world.